Welcome back to the Rights and Liberties podcast. Today we will discuss Federalist 17. As is often the case, I've condensed Federalist 17 into three big ideas so as to organize our discussion. So, here are three big ideas about Federalist 17. Big idea one, contrary to the concerns of many opposing the Constitution, the national government would not dominate the state governments, according to Hamilton. Big idea two concerns Hamilton's discussion of the importance of proximity in politics. Big idea number three, Hamilton, in arguing against the Articles of Confederation, compared the government under the Articles of Confederation to feudalism. So, big idea number one, and Hamilton let off Federalist 17 with this. Contrary to the concerns of many opposing the Constitution, the national government would not dominate the state governments. Hamilton cited what he took to be a very simple reason for this, and I'll quote him here, quote, The regulation of the mere domestic police of a state appears to me to hold out slender allurements to ambition. Commerce, finance, negotiation, and war seem to comprehend all the objects which have charms for minds governed by that passion, and all the powers necessary to those objects ought, in the first instance, to be lodged in the national depository. End quote. We have pointed a few times now in this series to Hamilton's characteristic attention to varying passions in his discussion of politics, so that politics seems for Hamilton often to have a basis in emotion. So too here, if one concern of the Anti-Federalists was that ambitious politicians would enter the federal government and seek to dominate the states, Hamilton's reply was that their ambitions would take them in other directions, commerce, finance, negotiation, and war, rather than domination over the states. Indeed, Hamilton saw fit to turn the charge around, claiming that, quote, it will always be far more easy for the state governments to encroach upon the national authorities than for the national government to encroach upon the state authorities, end quote. If on the off chance national politicians did have such ambitions, according to Hamilton, they could be easily checked. So this is big idea one. The national government would not dominate or subsume the functions of the state governments. And don't forget the justification that Hamilton offered. One could imagine other kinds of explanation. What Hamilton said was that while officeholders might be ambitious, their ambitions would go in different directions. Now, big idea two may be especially noteworthy after having thought about big idea number one. After all, we might infer from big idea number one that state politics is not so important in the eyes of the ambitious as are the concerns of national politics. Hamilton doesn't put it this way, but we might conclude from what he does say that ambitious politicians would not seek to dominate state governments because there is little in state governments to feed their ambitions. However, not all people are ambitious politicians. Big idea two cites the importance of proximity in politics, Quoting Hamilton again, quote, It is a known fact in human nature that its affections are commonly weak in proportion to the distance or diffusiveness of the object. Upon the same principle that a man is more attached to his family than to his neighborhood, to his neighborhood than to his community at large, the people of each state would be apt to feel a stronger bias toward their local governments than toward the government of the Union, 
unless the force of that principle should be destroyed by a much better administration of the latter, end quote. He no doubt noted the brief commercial for the Constitution at the end of that quotation. Nevertheless, Hamilton was serious about this claim concerning proximity. When Hamilton wanted to step away from general psychological claims and point to concrete interests in local politics, he pointed to an important one, the administration of criminal and civil justice. The paragraph in which he discussed this is full of important points, so let's sort through it sentence by sentence, stopping to say things along the way. And quoting Hamilton here, quote, there is one transcendent advantage belonging to the province of the state governments, which alone suffices to place the matter in a clear and satisfactory light. I mean the important administration of criminal and civil justice. This, of all others, is the most powerful, most universal, and most attractive source of popular obedience and attachment. And I'm going to stop quoting here just to break in and say that this might be thought of as one set of stakes. Hamilton is attending to that which creates obedience and attachment. And maybe that's one way to understand political authority. Political authority only works if people follow the law. It only works if they obey the law. So thinking in terms of popular obedience and attachment to the government may well be an important thing to do. Turning back to the text again and resuming uh, this long passage from Hamilton, quote, it is that which, being the immediate and visible guardian of life and property, having its benefits and its terrors in constant activity before the public eye. I'm going to stop quoting and note that we often talk about benefits and costs, cost-benefit analysis, that kind of thing. Here, the discussion isn't of benefits and costs, it is of benefits and terrors. Sort of a noteworthy way to put it. Going back to Hamilton. Quote, it is that which, being the immediate and visible guardian of life and property, having its benefits and its terrors in constant activity before the public eye, regulating all those personal interests and familiar concerns to which the sensibility of individuals is more immediately awake. End quote. I'm going to stop and break in to note that, that for Hamilton, there is political relevance to those things to which our sensibility is immediately awake. So... This is not about some kind of abstract reason, right? This is about sensibility. This is about immediacy. Going back to the quotation here, quote, regulating all those personal interests and familiar concerns to which the sensibility of individuals is more immediately awake contributes more than any other circumstance to impressing upon the minds of the people affection, esteem, and reverence toward the government. End quote, or at least breaking in again to discuss this last claim. Because Hamilton is discussing here the things that bind the people to the government. And he points to a few different kinds of emotions. Affection, esteem, and reverence. As, as he'll point out in a moment, this may be what holds society together. Returning back to this paragraph, but with a new sentence. Quote, this great cement of society, which will diffuse itself almost wholly through the channels of the particular governments, independent of all of the causes of influence, would, would ensure them so decided an empire over their respective citizens as to render them at all times a complete counterpoise and not unfrequently dangerous rivals to the power of the Union. End quote. Break in 
this is the end of the paragraph, but to point to the fact that we're back to this counterclaim again, that you know the opponents of the Constitution, according to Hamilton, think that the national government will be dangerous to the state governments. Uh, but by the end of this uh, paragraph, what Hamilton says is, it may well be the other way around, right? That this, this may well create dangerous rivals, as he put it, dangerous rivals to the power of the Union. Big idea three relates to what I've just described as, in, in loose terms as Hamilton's counterclaim, right? That the danger to watch may well be that posed by the states to the national government rather than by the national government to the states. We have seen Hamilton and other essays take a try at describing what was wrong with the Articles of Confederation. Near the end of Federalist 17, he settled on a new kind of concern. The government under the Articles resembled some of the objectionable aspects of feudalism. Feudal systems were often characterized by shared authority or complex relationships of authority, and one result of this on Hamilton's account was anarchy. And just quoting Hamilton here, the consequences of this situation were a continual opposition to authority of the sovereign and frequent wars between the great barons or chief feudatories themselves. The power of the head of the nation was commonly too weak, either to preserve the public peace or to protect the people against the oppressions of their immediate lords. This period of European affairs is emphatically styled by historians the times of feudal anarchy." End quote. Hamilton focused on three loci of potential power, the sovereign, the nobles, and the common people. What he described from the past was cooperation between the people and the sovereign. Quote, the barons, or nobles, equally the enemies of the sovereign and the oppressors of the common people, were dreaded and detested by both, till mutual danger and mutual interest effected a union between them fatal to the power of the aristocracy. End quote. It's worth spending a moment talking more about the importance of proximity in politics. Hamilton focused seriously on proximity, and we may be familiar with analogous claims today. It was a commonplace for politicians or political animals to say that all politics is local, or something like that. And we often hear experts refer to local political races or debates about local political issues uh, becoming nationalized or argued on the basis of national issues. Hamilton associated proximity with attachment, but when we discuss national politics, it is often from a position of detachment, a focus on more abstract goods rather than immediate ones. And nobody thinks, I don't, and I don't believe, that this complex of facts represents a kind of logical contradiction. It's just a set of different things that seem to be true in somewhat different ways. It is fair to claim that issues that are near to us matter more immediately to us than issues that are not near. And you'll recall that Hamilton grounds this in sensibility, personal interests and familiar concerns to which the sensibility of individuals is more immediately awake. Uh, but there are other political goods that are more abstract, rights, equality. And it may be the case, thinking about Big Idea 3, that this has some relation to feudalism because feudalism seems to be about personal interests and familiar concerns rather than more abstract goods. It may be a feature of modern politics to focus political debates away from proximity and in the direction of more abstract goods. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, please visit us at sunwater.org.